ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of Talking Jays with Jose R. in New York, Jeanette in LA, and John in Miami. This is our very first episode that we're recording. We are going to be giving you a little bit of a one-two as to who we are, what we're about, how we know each other, and talk about several things along the way. So, I'm Jose in New York. I work as a medical secretary for a major hospital system in New York. I was a comparative literature and language as well as an Asian studies major at Hofstra. My hobbies, I work on building models uh, on occasion, building um, Gundam models, as well as listening to podcasts. And podcasts mean a lot to me because they're something that I use more or less as a background noise when I'm working on reports and working on cases. It's something that sort of carries me through the day. I'll tell you briefly a quick story as to what podcasts mean to me. So few years ago, my fiance had her thyroid exercise because she had cancer. She was finally able to come to New York and we took a trip out to Pennsylvania. And along that, I played a podcast for her called Ron and Beverly. I played her a few podcasts and her having come off of this treatment and being able to find her laughing and enjoying herself meant so much to me that podcast in general has a very special place in my heart, especially Ron and Beverly and the people I've met along the way. And even friends that I met now through podcasts, it really means a lot to me that I wanted to get back into working on podcasts and being able to meet new people and, and see what future endeavors this leads to. So that's just a little bit about me. Jeanette, would you like to tell the folks that are listening a little about yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeanette, and I am from Los Angeles, born and raised. Pause for applause. Thank you. Thank you. And I have the pleasure of meeting Jose and John as uh, fans of the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gotts. Um, current free agents on the market. Where are they going to go? We still don't know. I'm a single mother. I have a 16-year-old son who does not know that I am part of a trio of podcasts, but not that he would care. <laughs> He's not familiar that you would be a future star? No. In my profession, I am also within the medical background, I guess. I am a medical claims examiner who is patiently waiting for her coronavirus vaccine. Um, this is my first experience in taking part in a podcast. I have listened uh, to podcasts over the last couple of years, um, but I've never actually knew like what it would take to be a part of one until, you know, teaming up joining forces with John and Jose. So I'm very much interested in seeing where this goes. Ultimately, I have made it very clear that my goal is to gain the recognition and the attention of Michael Jordan so that he can buy us out and we can all retire comfortably. And um, yeah, that would be it. <laughs> do you have any hobbies that you'd like to do other than, other than listen to podcasts and take care of your 16 year old? Eat and sleep. <laughs> sleep yeah uh walking my my exercise every day is walking to and from the refrigerator to the stove the microwave uh that's about it so would you say cooking is one of your hobbies no eating i said eating i never said cooking i said eating <laughs> so that leads to our other expert in culinary in culinary goods and things of that nature john how about yourself let's Tell the people, uh, our listeners, a little, about, a little bit about yourself. Okay, thanks. So I'm John, 
born and raised in Miami. So, and at this point, I'll pause for all the haters to boo. All right, that's enough. So, um, yeah, I, I, as Jeanette mentioned, I met these two great people, uh, very smart, very funny people, um, through this network of, of Lebertard fans. And I thought it'd be a great idea to, to converse with them um, and just hear points of views and get, get a little, you know, time to maybe get stuff off your, my chest and, and just listen uh, to, to smart people and, and hopefully have uh, lots of laughs. Uh, my background is, um, I was, as I mentioned, born and raised here in Miami. I'm in the um, technical field. I'm in IT. And uh, I'm a father and husband. Let's do that again. I'm a husband and father of two. And I also like to sleep and eat. As far as hobbies are concerned, uh, let's see. It's, uh, there isn't much time for them these days. But hopefully I can get to them. I do enjoy cooking, um, but I may not do that enough to be considered a hobby. So that that's about uh, that's about all for for John. I love how you almost said you're a father and husband of two. I was wondering what would the missus say when she hears that. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it's like I don't have a secret other family. <laughs> Also, I'm not crazy. I have my hands full with one. Well, Jose, edit this out. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's true. Leave it in. It's true. I'm sure. She, I'm sure my wife would say the same thing. I was wondering if John is a Bartolo Colon of, the, of uh, this podcast. No, no, no one gets that. So therefore, I put this. I knew that reference, but you didn't. <laughs> no one laughed. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta let this joke sit for a minute. <laughs> no one laughs. I'm like, all right, I guess I deserve the sad trombone on that one. It's the closest thing I have to the loser game show sound. Um, yeah. So we all met the Lauer After Hours uh, chat, and John, you're part of the Lauer After Hours podcast. Can you briefly talk about what that is, in case anyone's not familiar with that? Sure. Um... It's a bunch of crazy people, uh, and by crazy, I mean crazy about the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gatz. And um, we just, we just, uh, it was serendipity. A bunch of people one day just talking uh, Stu Gatz uh, and talking Dan Lebetard and talking shipping container. And we decided to start recording those things via, via Zoom. And, and then somebody had the very bright idea to, to edit it and, and, you know, put it out for, for, as a pod for distribution. And then from that point, um, we started seeing, uh, how much fun it was. And, and we started to see how, cha- you know, what, what type of challenge would it be to try to get people from the show and from the Levitard universe. And we've been really lucky to get, um, pretty much everybody with the exception of maybe Dan and, and Stu. And I think they might be playing hard to get. I understand that, especially now they're free agents. So they have to play the field. Um, or oh, maybe you haven't paid enough for their um, cameo. No, no. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't think there's enough money in, in, in the world maybe for, for Dan to do a, a cameo, but 
Um, so we and and so we started doing these interviews with with these people and having a good time with them and and that's that's what the the pod is about. It's all about uh, DLS and the universe that surrounds them. And go find it. It's laughter. Uh, I'm sorry. Now you got me with the Jose's. It's lower after hours. And um, you know, download, rate, subscribe, review. And then do it all again. So the reason why I like that podcast a lot is because the moment I started listening to it, I sort of binged six or seven episodes. I think you had seven episodes down at the time. And I listened to it and I absolutely loved hearing it because not only is it people, is it a fan cast, which I'm familiar with because I used to run one that ran about 25 episodes. So I know a lot of the work that it entails. But it, the reason why I love it a lot is because it allows me to listen to other people that love the show, get the show, understand the show, laugh along with the show. It gives me an opportunity to see it's not only me that gets it. In my daily life, I don't really have a lot of people that listen to sports podcasts or things of that nature. Even a lot of podcasts in general, other than people from my Facebook groups and whatnot. But hearing you bunch and interviewing personalities, ESPN personalities, that's something that I really dug. And then um, I joined in the Zoom that uh, I think Jeff, one of the members, um, Jeff and LA had posted. And I completely um, was enamored with the, with the group of people that was there. And you being one of the people there and Ant were so embracing to me having joined in and were curious about my background with the show. I really love the, the camaraderie that you guys exhibit. And from there, I met Jeanette and Jeanette was saying that she had been interested in doing a podcast, but wasn't exactly sure I'd be able to go about it. And I quickly snapped her, snapped it and said, if you're willing to, I will work with you on doing so. And this is talking Jays. And this is our very first episode on that. Jeanette, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, just more similar sentiment as Jose, how I started listening um, to the Lauer After Hours podcast. It was, uh, I had been following some of the people uh, that were part of that podcast on Twitter and seeing them posting and just, you know, like, uh, and I was just like, well, you know what? These are people that in their comments, um, they put the show references. I've interacted with them on, you know, tweeted a few things here and there. And, you know, I like their energy. So then when I started listening, you know, I really was just like, I don't know what to expect. So when you guys were able to get people like Tony and Juju Gotti and David Sampson and Billy and Chris and Roy and ask them questions that I would have as a fan, I felt very much at home. Like I, you know, like this was a group of people that had the same energies that I did and I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, just being a fan of the podcast, being a fan of the, of the, of the members of the podcast, you know, John, uh, Morgan from Australia, Pam, Halloween Basic, and so many good people. It's just like, it really just felt like long lost friends recon reconnecting and people that you, you know, you want to deal with almost on a daily basis. So having John be a part of this is extra special to me. So thank you, John. 
So, John, you have two huge fans over here. Yeah, no, that's very nice of you guys to say. Let me just say kind words uh, about both of you because um, uh, it, there was a reason why, you know, with, with the limited time that I have, as I mentioned, um, you know, father and, 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 and husband and the, the pod. And we actually have through the uh, LAH, we have uh, some other pods that we do like mid midweek mentions and, um, and sometimes we have some spontaneous ones that pop up emergency pods, we call them. But um, when the chance came up to, to talk to uh, the talk with uh, these two very bright and funny people, um, I said, you know what, Let, let's do it. Let's see where this ends up because um, both of the, I, I often refer to Jose as a, as a uh, Renaissance man and with all his interests and, and all the knowledge that he has. And I'm sure I'm going to be able to learn uh, a lot through this podcast. Um, Jeanette also, but um, let me just may say one thing. Another thing about Jeanette is um, Jeanette is really funny. I mean, uh, uh, a favorite, a favorite, I think, among among the people in the chat. Um, Jeanette is a high efficiency shooter with her with her jokes, um, and so I am a big fan of both of both of you guys, and so I'm happy to 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 be invited and and I'm happy to be doing this with you guys, and and I know it's going to be. Um, fun for me and i know i'm going to learn some stuff so thank you and i'm happy to be here so isn't there a song that you associate when you want to tell people thank you like thank you jeanette thank you Jose. <laughs> gracias john gracias john i was thinking of thank you thank you thank you thank you Oh. Famously sung by LeVar Ball. No, give yourself the uh, the sad trombone again. I don't get the. <laughs> no, no, no. That's for John. No. <laughs> I will not be giving myself so, another sad trombone. I, we right, only give I, one. We only issue out one one per show. Is that right? I already, oh, is that right? I already earned my one sad trombone. Oh, hold on, hold on. Then let me see. Uh, let's see. Let's see what this guy has. Does he have this? No, that's not it. Did you get that? Hold on. No, that's not it. Ah, <laughs> A more sophisticated set trombone. Damn. It's all right. It's all right. Believe me. Um, every everybody, not not. Not all of them are winners, and and uh, I speak from experience, so don't uh, don't worry about. It. I'm gonna hit myself once I get these these buttons that I have. Uh, once I get them memorized, what they are, I'm sure I'm gonna be hitting myself with with the central bone plenty. So, going on to our main topic of choice today, what are you f most looking forward to in a post COVID world? We've been hit with this pandemic, and it's shut down. Everything. I know ESPN did a 30 for 30 podcast on March, I think March 11th, when sports shut down and the world completely uh, upended over. So trying to be more positive about it instead of talking about the negatives for today, because we're keeping it light. What are you looking forward to the most once this pandemic is over? I'm going to look forward to getting my hair cut. 
Uh, I haven't had a haircut in over a year. My hair grows really, really fast. It's down to my waist. It's all split ends. I look like a scarecrow. No amount of conditioner can help me at this point. So I'm really looking forward to getting a haircut. But I'm also most looking forward to having my family come over to my house and being able to share um, a Saturday, you know, carne asada with my aunt, my cousin, my nieces, you know, we're a relatively small family. We're not that large. There's about 12 of us, but we have not been able to get together since last February. So having everybody here, like in the old times and not having to worry about masks and staying six feet apart and having to be outside and, you know, uh, saying things like you need before we can do this thing, you need to get tested and, you know, stuff like that. That's what I'm going to like, seriously, I'm going to just be able to have my relatives within under my roof and appreciate them and love them and touch them and not have to worry that you know, we're going to kill each other. So is your hair more in line with Gloria Trevi or Alejandra Guzman? That's what you took from that? <laughs> you said Jeanette, you- Jeanette, say the word and I'll, I'll hit him. I'll hit him with the, uh, with the thing again. Vale. Vale. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chuck? All right. Um, so let's see. Um, it's tough because because certainly um, visiting. We've been fortunate enough that we've, if we travel, if we have to visit family, um, we go ahead and we do it safely. Uh, we don't travel on airplanes. You know, we'll, we'll go. Um, we'll drive. We'll do those things. We'll we'll socially distance. We so. So I we've been we've had a, a certain amount of that. So I'm going to go with uh, mixing two things that I that I like. So hanging out with friends and going out to eat, and so doing kind of doing it's a bit of a cheat because it's not it's not one thing or the most uh, um, you know. Uh, so I'm going to mix those two, and I'm going to say um, going out to dinner with my friends um, that. That I think I miss the most because um, we've been doing a lot of a lot of cooking in the house, which is great, um, and we've been doing certainly takeout, which is which is fine too. But going out and and Miami has has a plethora of of restaurants, and we're we're really getting better. Um, not better, that's not the right word. We're the, the food scene here is is finally getting recognized. I think that's the better way to say it. And and we're having we're having Michelin star restaurants open, you know, uh, chefs opening up their restaurants here, and uh, I can't wait to try the all all the good new restaurants that that um, and not just to take out, just go and experience it and and have and have uh, laughs with my friends and and that's I think what what I'm looking forward to the most. So let's just say as of tomorrow, COVID is done for, John. What restaurant, or it doesn't have to be a restaurant, but what theme restaurant is it that you're most looking forward to? Is it an Italian restaurant? Is it a French restaurant or Moroccan, let's say? Or what is it that, what restaurant is just the the palate cleanser uh, 
sequencer for you. So there, there, there's so many, and and uh, this might be recency uh, bias because I've just read an article about them in the paper. Um, but there's this um, st like steak place. It's I think it's a it might be a Korean place. I mean, I'm not sure it's even open. I think it'll be or it's currently uh, in this state of of opening. Um, but they're gonna have like a five you know uh japanese wagyu uh meat and and uh, it just looks terrific and it sounds terrific and i can't wait um to visit that place uh when it opens but uh so that that's the first one that comes to mind and maybe again just because i, I just a couple of days ago read about it opening soon um but there's so many there's there's a place that I wanted to try called Two Korean Girls in in, a, in the Grove here that uh, that just opened up and I love myself some Korean food and and especially Korean barbecue. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, I'm gonna have to stick with that steak one, and and uh, yeah, that's what I got. Well, I'm most looking forward to being able to travel to the West Coast. I haven't been able to since November of. Uh, 19, uh, 2019. And um, it's it's going to be now, I think it's after March. It's going to be about a year and a half since I've finally been able to be with my fiance. So um, I had to take a trip to the Dominican Republic last year, right before New York shut down completely to be able to bring my folks up. And um, I wasn't, I didn't picture that the pandemic would have lasted this long. I figured you know, with with sort of rose-colored glasses, I guess you could say that things would have resolved themselves by now. But um, it's just really affected us all in so many ways. But I'm definitely looking forward to flying into PDX and seeing the Welcome to Oregon sign as soon as I go through there. It's my home away from home, and it's been a while since I've been over there. So I'm so looking forward to even just that alone. We all saw two movies over over the since we last recorded. Um, one of them was Soul, uh, Disney Pixar Soul, and the other one was Wonder Woman 1984. I briefly want to say to you both, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for making you watch Wonder Woman 1984. I, I that is my version of Lavar Balls. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, non-song song. Um, I was... I only take my apologies in cash. <laughs> you saw this, I don't know if you how much you paid for this movie, but I will give you... I will send you a um, a gift certificate for $1 for Nike in Nike bucks. No, no, no. If, if you really want to show me your appreciation, send it to me in pennies. I love getting, like, I love everything in pennies. When transactions go down, I imagine everything in pennies. It makes me so happy. So pennies. <laughs> pennies. Yes. Wait, you're not are you shitting us? Is that is that real? Yes, I'm being honest. So whenever people talk about like transactions that occur, I always imagine it in pennies and it just seems like more money. So pe like pennies, I you know, when I get them, they're the last um coin that I go and I exchange. Because they just look so nice. Because it's a lot of them, even though they amount to the least amount of money. But because there's so many, it just looks like it's just a, about the quantity of them. It's so mesmerizing. So be before we move on, because this is this topic is like uh, 
is pretty juicy in my estimation. So when you say when you think about transactions, so if somebody if somebody says, "Oh man, this PlayStation Five, or whatever, was six hundred dollars," does your mind immediately start to uh, calculate how, like how many of those um, sacks of uh, you know that that you see in old bank robbing movies? How many sacks is six hundred dollars in pennies? Like, oh my god, that's like fifteen sacks of pennies well i don't know how many sacks it would be but i just see like all the coins kind of like stacked up so it's like scrooge mcduck's um oh yes so it's like like swimming in all those pennies so especially when it's like player contracts or companies get sold for billions i always add like the extra two zeros and i'm like that's how many pennies that is and it's like a you know a little tingle goes down my spine and it makes me so happy so whenever um one of the things that I do whenever I'm like a little down is I just try to scroll to like transactions on my Twitter or, you know, Google or something. And if I see a transaction, it just like, oh, just to think about it, it gets me like so hyped up and so happy. Well, when you put it that way, okay, I cannot, I can't complain. And in fact, I myself, and I think I'm going to start uh, thinking the same way because anything uh, the I used to watch them like, uh, or Scrooge jump into into those uh, golden coins and and do the backstroke and and all these other things and that was such a joyous time. So exactly, uh, I like it. I, I I like where your head's at. Yeah. Now the only thing I can think of pennies is when people like to be assholes. Pardon my French, and they want to pay for their tickets in pennies, so they bring sacks and sacks of pennies to pay for their tickets that they disagree with. That's the only time I ever see someone just like so excited with pennies. It's to say, screw this system that's giving me all these tickets. Here's a sack full of pennies to pay for my ticket. I don't know if you've ever seen that in the news ever. Yeah, those are my people right there because I've I've done it on occasion. It it, it gets hard to get to a certain amount. I don't won't I won't do like the full amount. Like I I know I've gone to pay my property taxes and I'll at least have maybe like five to ten dollars in pennies and I turn them over and. They're wrapped. They're not like loose pennies. And it tears my heart to turn them over to these people. But then the rest of the balance, I'll, I'll pay with my money order and whatever. But I will always take something. You must have, you must have some muscles on you just carrying sacks of pennies uh, around. That, that is that I, I think I'm going to need some time to process <laughs> that uh, and see what that is in, like. I don't know if I like the idea, if I don't like the idea. Um, get back to me. But I had some follow-up. I had some follow-up, uh, a follow-up, if I if I can, if I may, um, so we don't run to about this penny thing. So I, for the most part, don't uh, pay in cash anymore anything. Um, the I, I used to be the guy who, who um, you know, when it was time to pay in cash, um, I would – it, you know, if we were all together and eating, everybody's paying cash. I would take the cash and I'd put my credit card down. Um, and so, and so I, I just became, I thought it was better if everybody's paying cash, I'll go ahead and take the points on my card and, and accrue them that way. And so I never really had, or even now, even less opportunity to have change. How is it that you're, you're amassing so much change? Where, where, where's it coming from? That's like the most interesting thing is that I really, I don't know. Um, I'm also a cashless person, but every now and then, you know, um, I will at least have 40 to $60 on me minimum. 
because there are certain places that uh, you can't before you know the pandemic you, they wouldn't take a card or they would charge you some crazy you know amount or it'd be like a minimum purchase of uh, and also sometimes you know in case I forgot maybe I didn't have my card in there I could at least have some emergency cash so some of it is through that and also for like all the years I've always had a change jar so I haven't had the opportunity to go to the bank anymore and you know deposit or anything so I have a lot of change just lying around in the house and I've been using it so one of the things I've been doing during the pandemic is um have a change purse so whenever I go and pay for something whatever the cents are I pay that so if it's like 77 cents 81 whatever two cents three cents I'll pay that and then the whole dollar amount I'll charge to my card so in my own dumb way, I'm like, I'm helping to alleviate the coin shortage and I'm getting rid of some of the coins in my own house. Follow up. Follow, I have another follow up. This, this I'm telling you, this 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 uh, topic is fantastic. All right. So um, do you count the the change yourself? And then, as you mentioned, you wrap them or do you go ahead and have a sorter, one of those electronic sorters that you can just drop it in and it just starts uh, rotating and, and dropping it into its slots and then making it easier for you to wrap? I, I must know. No, um, I'm old school. I do it all by hand. I have the wraps and I'll wrap it by myself. Part of me doesn't trust the machine. Um I think there was one time where I bought one and it was kind of like a cheap one. And uh, it's a, the one where you put the coins and it's supposed to by the size filter them. And everything kind of got stuck um, on the quarters. It was really weird. So it didn't work very well. So it didn't sort very well. It was just really complicated and it was all plastic. And I think when I like, there was a point where I had to, like dislodge it and part of it broke and I was just like so frustrated I'm like it's not a time saver I could have done this already on my own so I will stick to the old school and just do it by hand and yes I do when I people see me do this in my family they do try to come and mess up my accounts and they because they I don't know. I guess it's like a thing when you see somebody really concentrated that you just want to mess with them. So I'll be there. I'll be like, you know, 48, 49, da, 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 da. Because I just don't stop at like whatever it is. I keep going. So it'll, they'll come and they'll be like, 78, 81, 39. And I'm just like, huh, huh. It's like, ah, get mad. And I have to start all over again. So yeah, it's a process. Well, we're. I know I know what to get you for, for your birthday Um we, because the technology is there. I mean, Coinstar uses it. Uh, so the technology is there. I think you have to embrace it. I think you're going to, you know, save a lot of time. And uh, you just you just got a bad, a bad um, sorter. That's all. I think you have to give it another shot. The one I've always been really envious of is the, is the money counter, the bill counter. Like I said, when I go in, I pay my property taxes. Or most prominently, sometimes you see it in the movies where they put, you know, the money and it's just like, you just put like, I guess, the the denomination and then it'll tell you, okay, I counted so many uh, of, of a 20 or a 10, it'll tell you it's this much. That's the one that I would want. I'm from, I'm from Miami. I'm from Miami. We're, we're aware of those. Uh, money That's money the one money. I would want, but I would, I don't have enough like loose bills that it would ever look impressive. 
unless I was to go and take out like $300 in single or something like that. And then I could just like, if I wanted to show off on Instagram or so another, you know, on social media and just be like, Hey, look, I'm going to make it rain. Shh. Okay. So yeah. So you know what you have to do, right? Cause in my mind, my, the, the machinery is working. So you got to take your coins, convert your pennies, convert those into dollars, take your dollars, put them in the, in the counter, then, then go ahead and count those dollars and put them into a money gun and then shoot the money gun all over the place. Can we do it to the soundtrack from Scarface, specifically the song Push It to the Limit? That's all I care about right now. <laughs> Come on, Push It to the Limit? Come on. <laughs> so I just sent you all a video. I want to know if this lady is really genetic in disguise with her pennies. Go ahead and click and then I'll explain to the people what it's about. Jeanette, I, I want you to click on this video and let me know if this is you. And as soon as I hear your reactions, then I'll know to tell people what it's about. <laughs> That's... <laughs> 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 oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's fantastic. I want to know if this old lady that's crossing the street as a Mercedes-Benz pulls up to the middle of the crosswalk as she's walking across the street and the car's honking its horn and she hits the front bumper with her bag, which is probably filled with pennies, and deploys the airbags. I want to know if that's really you in disguise, Jeanette. Well, pennies and, and stale old candy, I'm sure. <laughs> That's just me going to go pay. Your property taxes. My property taxes. That's right. I could see. I already see. I, I can see in your head the thought bubble. The thought bubble is like, don't rush me. Don't rush me. Okay. I got my 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 beloved pennies here that I'm about to give away to the property tax guy, and don't rush me. <laughs> Uh, I want to know. I I don't think I gave permission for that video of me to be released. I think I have a lawsuit on my hands. Now that listen, I don't think that old lady has a, like that as many pennies as as she's gonna need because because that airbag deployed and those airbags are expensive, expensive. <laughs> oh God, that that, that absolutely you're you're both of you laughing at that absolutely made my evening. Now, going back to something more morbid and thought and depressing and thought, what did you all think about the movie Wonder Woman 1984? Jeanette, go ahead. You fire off first. Oh, wow. So um, I thought that it was going to be uh, a straight sequel, you know, superhero sequel, a lot of action, um, you know, what you would expect. To that point, I think Wonder Woman had been the only relatively decent um, DCU movie. So to see a lot of how it was, first of all, it was too long. And I mm -hmm. I took it beat for beat for what it was, and I really just did not like it. And then there were certain parts where it seemed like the CGI or they were using was like really old like i don't know it was just weird and then later on through a conversation with a, 
a friend of ours, Will, he was like, no, they were really trying to be very meta and very much lean into 1984 and the old technology and the tropes of the 80s. So they were trying to be very, very smart with this movie. But I don't think that there's a lot of smart to be had in superhero blockbuster movies. You you know, we're going in for explosions and good guy, bad guy fights and saving the world and stuff like that. And there's not a really a lot of room for that in those movies. So for them to try to be very out of the box and take it to another level with this movie, I think it lost a lot of people. And the one thing I think they were trying to do is maybe set up a lot of nods to Linda Carter because in the scene where Wonder Woman, after she takes back her wish and is running through DC and learns how to fly... That isn't actually um, Gal Gadot running. I think that's like a clip of actually Linda Carter from the TV show as Wonder Woman running because it just, to me, that I was just like, that's not her. And I kind of went back to it and I'm like, yeah, I think that was like from the Wonder Woman TV show. So for me, it, it just didn't, it, it, I, it just failed me. And I was like, okay, I don't want to revisit this well. <laughs> ever again so I'm like no uh, so I had the experience usually if I watch a movie I try not to let too much of my day now being at home get in the way I paused that movie at least four different times and one of them was an extended pause to have a conversation with my mom for about an hour and it, with every pause I never felt like I need to get back to this because wherever I left it it was like integral to go back and keep going and and to finish it I have so many minutes I never had that to to return to it so I think that just spoke to my disinterest in the movie but even still I finished it even though in all those times pausing it it was never like I, I was never beckoned to return to it mm -hmm. and John yourself what do you think of Wonder Woman 1984 well you you won't have to you don't have to apologize to me because I was going to watch it anyways because I really like the first one um, I, I thought that was a really good movie. Um, I disagree a little bit with with uh, Jeanette in in the sense that I think DC, although DC usually puts out crap, or you know, the when they make uh, these DC characters into uh, real life um, dr you know, dramatic movies, uh, there are a couple of exceptions, and that's the Christopher Nolan Batman's and the Sh and Shazam. And both of those, I think, were were really good, and 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 so I'm going to uh, cape up, so to speak, for for those two um, movies. Now back now back to 1984, which was um, pretty crappy. It was um, a very long movie, longer than it had to be. Uh, you know, it sounds funny saying unrealistic for a superhero movie. But some of those things, I, I just some of the things that were happening and how they happened, uh, required just too much suspension of disbelief, and and I'm talking about you know and this is coming from a guy who believes that a character can snap a finger, at least when I'm watching the movie, and clear out you know half the population of the universe. So um, so I give a lot of leeway to 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 story writers if they want to go that way. But this one this one was bad um the uh it was bad it was long it was um 
I'm not sure I would even tell somebody like, Hey, just even if it comes on, you know, for free on, on whatever TBS or one of these other cable stations that, that cut it up and put ads, um, go ahead and watch it. I, I think, I think there are many other better movies that are, that would serve you better for your, for your time. Not, not you don't, nobody needs to watch this movie and you're not going to feel any which way about it other than after the two and somewhat out two hours and then, and maybe two hours and a half for all I know. It was like two hours and a half, like two hours and 45 minutes around there. Yeah. So, um, that's a lot of time to, to waste on a, a very mediocre movie. I all, I will agree with Jeanette that, that the, there's, there was some some change in in the special effects that they used because that running scene was was straight like hot garbage. Um, the the scenes that they had in the number in the first one were so much better, so much more impactful, so much more realistic. Um, these were these were just uh, kitschy, and and um, if they were indeed trying to throw back to that time. I would just have to question why. I mean, there, it, it doesn't it doesn't make the movie any better. I understand trying to harken back to to the eighties and and get that that sense of of um, like melancholy for for that time. Um, you know, and go ahead and do that with music. Go ahead and do that. I they did that with the with the wardrobes. They did that with the props they did that with the cars they did that with you know all these other things which were fine those those hit the right notes but you don't do that with the special effects you know nobody nobody goes and wants to see uh you know let's say they do you know wonder woman 1993 uh nobody wants to see cable wires if she's jumping you know nobody wants to do to to see bad bad um bad effects um so if you haven't like gotten it by now in summation uh that movie was crap i'm gonna give you my personal take and then i'm gonna ask you a question about what regarding expectations on this movie so my take on this movie is initially i started reading right at as soon as this movie came out patty jenkins the director started saying you know my vision of the movie wasn't matched with the um with the studio and the studio started interfering and they had their own ideas of what they wanted to add so we had the opening where we show wonder woman when she's a little girl and then i also had the intro where i so two intros and she was sort of leading to the thought that she didn't get to put the movie that she wanted then that so that to me meant she my thought was the um there's a root song that goes either stand tall sit the bleep down and my thought is was or i'll say if you're gonna have patty jenkins as the director let her direct the movie she wants stop getting in her way let her direct the movie that she wants and let's see if she has the merit or the the responsibilities as a director to lead her movie so people won't complain about it. That's what my initial thoughts were. But then as I'm reading more and more, she said, no, the studio just gave me some ideas, but I put out the movie that I wanted. That led me to go, maybe you're just not good enough as a director to handle a movie of this capacity. Because the first movie was great. I really enjoyed the first movie. But the second movie 
Can you name a moment where the music, where the music defined the eighties in the in the in this movie? Not once did they ever go, "Hey, we're Warner Brothers. We have a catalog of eighties songs. Why don't we present a song from the eighties in the background, or even make it a take a song from the eighties, remix it to modern day sensibilities, but you still give a little bit of um of of a throwback to a classic song." Whether it would be, um, let's just for example say, um, the song "I Ran So Far Away" by Cutting Cutting Edge. I think it is the um, the name of the '80s band. Even a little bit of synth wave or retro wave or anything like that to go. Oh wow, the the music is really has a jet is generating thoughts about the '80s. Two, my other problem is she's this wonderful, great warrior, but not once did I ever feel. That she, that it was she, that she had the full powers of being this great warrior. At times, it felt like it was a little lackluster in action. Maybe be, maybe it's because I'm expect had high expectations for being a, an Amazonian, and uh, and they try and they keep on showing you videos to her training and and needing to dig deep to be able to do to be this um, to be Wonder Woman and all these things. It didn't feel like it. I mean, I guess because she didn't want to hurt any of the people that she's fighting against, even though despite the fact that they're shooting bullets at her, it just felt missing something. Or even to the climactic battle with Cheetah, it's just felt it's it didn't feel like, you know, like bone crunching or something that really like made you go, wow, this is all those years of her training, you're seeing it there before you. So it really makes me wonder what happened. Like we're probably going to read an article years from now as to what happened that made this movie so disastrous, which in my opinion, it's not as bad as the other DCEU movies, but this movie, the for what the first movie did to the second movie was a major letdown. So I'm wondering to you both, what does this say about Echo? what to say about your expectations of this movie and it, what was the message behind this movie? John, I was thinking about you because you have a daughter and Jeanette, I was thinking about you because obviously you're uh, the, the sole woman in this group, but what does this, what was the message that this movie carries? John, if you don't mind, since you have a, um, go first, since I asked you that first earlier. I have no idea what the what the message is because um because the movie wasn't even uh I'd have to think back on the movie. It wasn't very memorable. Now, um my my daughter didn't watch it. I wanted her to watch it. Um because I, I like I like to show her um movies of or, or TV shows or anything where where women are in uh position to lead and and you know save the day and do do the right things and you know, so I wanted it to be that, but, but it wasn't, um, I can't even tell you the, you know, it, I'm trying to think now what, what is the message of the movie? The message of the movie might be, I don't know, something, something much less, um, you know, relevant to, to, to matters like that. I think it's something like, Oh, maybe something to the effect of careful what you wish for, or, or you can't, you know, you can't have everything comes with a price, something like that, something cliche like that, but it's not, not, um, you know, 
nothing that would be uh, like empowering women or or i mean aside from her like kicking ass and i think i know what you mean about about the um the action scenes not being good i think uh movies like the matrix and movies like the uh, the bond series with with um daniel craig and where they they it's it's like it looks you know those fight scenes look real and you almost feel uh joints being broken and and um you know jaws being uh broken and all that uh, it, it certainly missed that. I don't know if, if they were going for a certain rating. What was the rating on this movie? I don't remember. So potentially that's that's the reason if they wanted to go for a certain target uh, audience and and with you know for 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 kids, let's say maybe that's why they had to to um, you know dial down any violence or anything like that. But um, yeah, I can't I can't say that it was very it was something that that at least was that that showed some uh, a woman an empowered woman uh, um or a message of empowering women it, it didn't seem like that to me i mean it was a woman who was kicking butt yes okay um but but it wasn't a very strong message in how about opinion. you Jeanette? what do you what message or what expectations do you have with for this movie or what message do you perceive from this film yeah i i didn't have like any expectations i didn't really read about it or do anything beforehand um so i don't know if the fact that this movie was supposed to be a summer blockbuster and the fact that either patty jenkins or the studio had this extra time to tinker with it because of covid if they felt you know what because we have this time people are gonna have a huge a, a much that's gonna increase expectations we have we had this extra time to cut it up and do all these other things so let's get more creative let's try to do these other things um to to really make it distinct so this may have been one of those situations where they wanted to just you know because of the time that they had to work on it this you know this extra time these extra months that they felt pressure to deliver something more so who knows if we had not had covid when this movie was originally supposed to be released over the summer or may or whenever it was if it would have been a different product if it would have been a tighter movie it would have been more about kicking butt it, it, they you know but then also that leads to they had this extra time they didn't incorporate those those 80s elements in the music um they chose instead to go with you know instead of music they went with putting in clips of the tv show stuff like that the only thing i did see afterwards was how in reviving the chris pine character um how when he's putting on the different costumes and stuff of the time and the clothes how normally when it is uh, a superhero movie that's usually that the role that the woman fulfills she's there to be eye candy eye pleasing um she looks to the man uh, to take direction and in this it's a role reversal where you know diana has to tell you know 
the Chris Pine character. It's 1984. This is how we do things now. And look, we have um, televisions and we have the flying cars and not, not flying cars, the airplanes. And this is how people dress now. And look at, you know, like when he's talking about, I wrote this bike and I didn't get anywhere. And it's a, you know, and it's an exercise bike, you know? So, so she was, that's normally a role like where she's woman splaining 1984 and what has happened in 40 years. That's normally a role that is, that would be the man. So that is really the only thing, but it's not really much. If you want to deliver it as in a, a woman's empowerment movie, it's not really much because no matter how strong of a warrior and trained and educated she is in her field, she she holds back because she doesn't want to draw attention to herself and she would rather she's trying she would rather blend in amongst her peers and the world that she's in and try to pass off as ordinary instead of being an extraordinary woman. And even in those moments where she is extraordinary, or, or perceived to be extraordinary, it seems like it lacks effort. It's not very convincing. So maybe that's the dichotomy of women that we're always facing. I don't know, but I just thought it was like, like, why does she need to be hidden? You know, like in the beginning scene where she takes out the cameras at the Strange Place Mall, uh, Stranger Things Mall, uh, it's like, why doesn't she want people to know that she's doing that in D.C.? I don't get it. You know? And then she sort of exposes her, her, who she is to all her co-workers and everyone. Everyone knows that she's... It's like there's no disguise between her and Wonder Woman. Nobody could figure out Superman, uh, Su Superman as Clark Kent for a really long time. She was, like, totally overthinking it. You know? No, but he had, he had glasses. <laughs> John Satrobone yourself right now. No, that was good. Sorry. You you can hit me with a Satrobone, but that was good. That was dry wit right there. That was sarcasm at its best and, and, and facetiousness. Okay, so no, you can hit me, but I'm not going to hit myself. Because you see, she didn't have glasses, and it was painfully obvious. And he did have glasses, and it was painfully obvious. See? So... You see, you see where I was so going with that. Think Wonder Woman would have been better off as a librarian with her hair in a crop. I guess is the right word. I'm hoping, and wears glasses. Ponytail. That's what I was gonna say. So you're. No, I was. I was agree. I was agreeing. I was basically agreeing with Jeanette. And then she takes off her glasses, pulls out the pin from the hair, hair whips her hair left and right, and becomes Wonder Woman. No, that's a great shampoo commercial. <laughs> I'm agreeing with Jeanette. I'm agreeing with Jeanette in that in a facetious way because she was like, you know, they couldn't even figure out that that he was. And, and so I facetiously said that, oh, he was, you know, it's because he wore, you know, glasses. And of course, Wonder Woman doesn't. Although the Linda Carter, I think, to be fair, I think the Linda Carter um, uh, uh, Wonder Woman wore glasses. I'm not sure. I'm going to look that up. But if you if you want to hit me with a with a with the trombone. I don't think it's it merits it because I think it was good, dry, very dry, you know, humor. But hey, listen, it's your show, John. Because you're my brother, I will I will hold back from playing the sad trombone just this one time. No, Dolly, <laughs> just this one time. I'm holding it off. The one thing that I still can't even figure out: what penalty came to the the evil villain in the end? He's like, I have my son. 
They undid the wishes. All right, going right back, right back to my life. I'm like, I, I can't. I absolutely couldn't with this movie. This like, wow. Well, I think you have to infer. You have to infer that that he went to jail. John, he told the helicopter that dropped him off before his son, as he was looking for him. Go ahead, you can fly on back. After all the wishes came about, meaning there's no the, the, there's no absolute penalty whatsoever for this man for having taken over the world. It's just like and and undoing everything that he basically did. So it's like nothing happened. Literally, it's a movie that became a circle in which the same beginning is the same end. Absolutely, you could say nothing happened from point A to point B except a day change. I don't know. It just felt weak to me. It felt like it felt it fell on its face. It's like the movie had no <clears throat> soul. <laughs> nice. That's a nice. You see that? That's how you do it. Okay. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> Going on to that, we all also saw the movie Soul, and I really want to know what you both had to say about it. So, Jeanette, if you want to kick us off with that, let me know. Uh, let us know what you thought of the movie Soul. Yes. So, um, on the same day that I watched Wonder Woman 1984, um, I also watched Soul. I watched Soul first, and I thought it was great it was not the typical pixar movie in the sense that um they're they're moving away from like inanimate objects being the focus and now it's people and you know people being the center focus of their film and what they're going through in their life and trying to re- trying to relate it to you in a teachable way about how you are living your own life and how we need to kind of examine that. So for me, what I took away from soul is that you can be very, a very impassioned person about something that you're doing. It could be your job, your hobby, being a musician, but you can't just only have that singular focus in that and not look at the other parts of your life where you may not necessarily be a savant at, but you also need to be a real, well-rounded person. Because what is what was the point of Joe being so focused on his jazz when he had such a fractured relationship with his mother, mother where he couldn't be honest about why it meant so much to him? And then also that she felt she couldn't be honest with him about why she didn't want him to just be a musician and that he couldn't take that criticism from her. So there was a lot of that where you can break it down, which they always do, where it's it's a, it has one message for young kids, but then as adults, it has a stronger message about how we are in our own lives and trying to be more present about, you know, what drives us. I liked it. It was, it was a fun movie. I th- I generally I go and I'm not looking for things in movies like uh, I'm not looking for messages. I'm not looking. I'm looking to be entertained. I'm looking for a distraction from from, uh, you know, the world from silence, the thoughts in my head, that that type of thing. And and so if I can immerse myself in a movie uh, for an hour and a half to two hours and not really think about you know, all the stuff that's happening in the world and all that, then uh, I generally come out feeling good about the movie. This was the case with soul. Um, I, I really, I enjoyed it. 
I enjoyed the 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 you know the the banter between the the little soul um and and the main character um I like the music in it um so that that was very fun uh my wife on the other hand although although she enjoyed the the show she had this this um this thought that just didn't occur to me and I'm not sure if that's because I grew up watching that Eddie Murphy uh claymation um the PJs in which I think they had similar characteristics, but she was put off by kind of the caricature of, of black people. And she, you know, she's not black, but she found it in, in a, a little bit offensive and that, that they were, they were, you know, making um, the black people. So, so um, cartoonish, you know, and, and, and as you do with caricatures is you, you go and you, make things uh larger for that for that um for that effect and so i know i spoke to you guys about it and we talked about a little bit um about some other criticism that that the tina fey character um got on it and and it, it's it's it has nothing to do in that case with the caricature stuff it's another thing i didn't think about but it had to do with say a white even though it doesn't tell you, I think that the um, that the soul is white, that the soul is is um, is kind of saving the white person saving the white soul is saving the black person's soul. So another thought that I didn't have that I'll, I'll have to process. Um, but if we keep those two points aside that my wife made and that this this article uh, points out, I I have to say that I enjoyed it and. Um, without delving too deep into the, 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 uh, into the, the, the heart of the matter. Uh, I was just, uh, it, it moved along nicely and, and it took me along for the ride and there were some tender moments and there were some funny moments and there was some cringe, you know, a little bit of, uh, what you would expect in, in a movie. So it, because it did all those things, because, uh, I was able to, to stay within that, um, suspension of disbelief, uh, I, I I like it. I would I would recommend people watch it. I like the movie, but I could see where the some of the controversies originate from. Um, for example, Pixar did that movie. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one about the Day of the Dead. Um, Coco. It's one of the first times Disney really makes a a, a movie that's about culture that's non-white really i mean they they've done the three caballeros with with donald duck and the three in the two parrots and whatnot but disney doesn't do a lot of movie based on other cultures and other ethnicities they sort of stay within the 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 they stay they color between the lines more or less and i think coco sort of gave them the ability the capability of being able to um, extend themselves to other cultures and other ethnicities and other races. Did that get any criticism? I think it originally got some criticism because here this Dizzy's cashing in on Mexican culture. And they're not the cast, although the cast was really um, had a good amount of Hispanic people and Mexican people. Uh, Benjamin Bright, I believe he's, is he Peruvian and I think Filipino, if I'm correct? Maybe I'm confusing uh, his his background, but I think it had a good Hispanic 
Hispanic um, cast. This movie, I looked at the cast to see some of what prominent African-American people they had. They had Dobby Diggs. They had Jamie Foxx. They had Felicia Rashad. They had um, a, a good amount of African-American people. But the controversy really comes in is that Pixar really needs to extend themselves to the black voice. And having Tina Fey sort of voice a character of 22 when they could have gotten a young, a youthful or young African-American voice for that role, I think says a lot. I think it really says a lot about Hollywood and trying to sort of cover all your bases. But I think the fact that they didn't think about, hey, maybe we should have 22 be voiced by an African-American, uh, uh, you know, sort of like, for example, Moana gave, uh, I, I think, Aoli Caravajo um, the role of Moana, a young person that really took the role of that, uh, of the main uh, main role in that film and sort of brought her into the, I would say, the lexicon of actresses that are, are emerging. This was an opportunity lost. I think. But it, it's also like uh, Disney doesn't really need to go that far and to do a casting where they have a whole network of TV shows and they have African-American talent uh, to, cho to choose from. And not only that, when you if, if we want to stay within this controversy, I'm just going to say I never I didn't notice those. And I think part of that comes from not being African-American, obviously, um, but also giving them the benefit of the doubt for Pixar, the, the amount of research and time that they did with Coco. And also when you couch that uh, Disney, the amount of money and time that they spent on Black Panther and, you know, promoting that largely African-American cast and African-American talent behind the screen as well. For that production, you would think that they are very much aware of what their imprint in movies like this when they want when they want to give a certain perspective that they invest the time and they you know they look at all the avenues before when you know before they cast as they're shooting dialogue and everything because they feel that responsibility of representation much more than other um, studios so then when you have these criticisms come about you wonder where was it where was it lost because yes you know pixar is still headed by you know prominent white um directors and uh tastemakers and just because you might bring in a uh, one or two persons of color it doesn't necessarily mean that it that it's gonna fly so if we're just gonna stick with the controversies i think it just goes to show why having a more in more inclusive um, you know, brain trust is is uh, necessary, but even if you do have something like that, it may not escape all all criticisms. But it is a new, fresh set of eyes that maybe could have caught something about why does the the story of Joe take on a different meaning or is validated or invalidated through the eyes of. 22 and Tina Fey. Yeah, everybody everybody in this world has blind spots, right? And and if you can surround yourself with a diverse 
um, group of people. Um, you can be made aware of your blind spots and you can serve the same function to those people. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I think when, when I read these articles, I, I notice the blind spots. I, like I said, my wife, at least from the, from the caricature standpoint, um, mentioned that I, I hadn't thought of it at all. Um, and then after reading that article about a white soul saving a black man, uh, uh, you know, the soul of a black man and, and, and those types of things, again, perhaps blind spots, because I didn't even know who played the voice till I read the article. And it, it, um, it just never occurred to me in those terms. And so, yeah, it might be a blind spot of mine or it might be just, I it, for that particular movie, I just didn't think in those, you know, in those terms. Like I said, I also don't go into a movie, um, looking, looking very closely to um, to glean, you know, to take away. I don't go into a movie, like I mentioned, to take away something from the movie. I go into a movie to just kind of experience it. And, and then, and, and that's about it. I do uh, also the same with music. Uh, I don't know lyrics. I listen to kind of like the, the beat of it. And I like those things, but you know, I'm like Stugatz. I'll make my, you know, uh, um, lost shaker of, of sand, you know, um, that, that, you know, I'll just make up my own lyrics or, or presume I know them, but I don't really listen to those. And, and with movies, I don't really go to a movie to, to bring, to take out anything other than an experience of, of fantasy. I think we're in terms of music, there's going to be, we're going to have a one, a great episode in our future about music in terms of lyrics and what you, um, ascertained from music I've, that's one of the ideas that i've been sort of going back to this movie and what you said about um whether you go into movies to pull out themes or whatnot i think because I've, i love films i don't go into movies looking for themes but i can't help if i get a sense of theme or morale or a a belief from the film Sometimes my mind starts wandering a little bit off into that realm, but I try to see, extract what is the director trying to show or portray that he wants me to understand about what is his vision. And it's at times, and then at times I, I don't mind some brainless entertainment that just you know that keeps me riveted off this off at the edge of my seat. So I think this movie it has a great um, familial message about family and about. Um, one's passions, that one shouldn't delve so deep into their passions, that one should be more, have a more broad overall outlook in life. But there's just, for me, I think this movie, there's just a few little elements that I really think needed to be addressed in this film that maybe maybe um, Pixar or even Disney can extract and, and sort of work along the way. You never know. And now we're moving on to our lightning round. So I figured this is a very brief way for our listeners to sort of get to know the way we think more or less and get to know a little bit about us other than basically our introduction. So starting with Jeanette, lightning round questions. I have seven lightning round questions for you. Flintstones or Jetsons? Flintstones. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Would you rather finish a book or finish a TV series? TV series. You can issue a team a championship, but they can't win for another 50 years. And why is it the Jets? 
Why did you do that? That was actually going to be my answer. Next question. <laughs> you just drew, drew Rosenhaus me. Favorite pizza topping. Uh, let's go with sausage. Favorite pizza topping. Time sports has disappointed you. 2017 Houston Astros. Cheater, 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 cheater. And what is your favorite sports memory? 2020 Lakers championship, Dodgers championship. Yeah. Special place for you and Jeff. I'm just leaving it there. The winner's circle, baby. Rings, all rings. Don't hate, don't hate. <laughs> John, are you ready for the lightning round? Dollar, bro. Flintstones or Jetsons? Flintstones. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Finish a book or finish a TV series? Oh, it's TV series. You can issue a team a championship, but they can't win for another 50 years. Why is it the Knicks? That's a good one. That's the one I'm going to have to ponder. Um, who would I do that? Man, I think I'm going to give it to the, uh, I think I'm going to give it to the Dolphins because They've been, it's been 20 years already, and I don't know if they're going to ever win one again. So let's give it to the Dolphins. Favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Time sports has disappointed you. Oh, okay. Let's go back to the Dolphins. So Super Bowl um, 29 against the Niners when they lost. I, I don't even know how old I was, but but it was crushing. What is your favorite sports memory? The big three era. Give it to me again. Not one, not two, not three. Not four. I would say Flintstones finish a book series. If I can issue a team a championship, but they can't win for another year, another fifty years, I would say the Miami Marlins, which leads to the times that sports has disappointed me. I would say two thousand three. I seem to recall a a team a wild card team from Miami that took on my Yankees and beat the hell out of them, and I'll still remember that, John. I'll hold you to it. I'm, I, I, I don't forget. I don't forget. I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You and your Miami cheering for the, the Marlins as they took away from the jaws of defeat, from the dog jaws of victory, another championship for the Yankees. Pinstripes are overrated. Favorite pizza topping is sausage and mushrooms. And yeah. wait, sausage and one, one, you got to pick one. <laughs> who's the one, who's the one answering the questions, John? <laughs> Oh, I thought it was favorite pizza topping. Notice I said dramedy is my favorite. It's my favorite between the two. It's a little bit of both. My favorite sports memory, I would say when the Giants defeated the Patriots the second time around, the second victory that they did, I was able to watch the game with my brother and my cousin. And we were sitting on the edge of our seats as the Giants squeaked out that victory against the Patriots. It was so delicious. Jeanette, if you have any questions that you want to pitch in or John, you can certainly fire one off if you want in this lightning round. What's your second favorite color? Vermilion, just because it sounds fancy. I painted the walls of my condo one time. Uh, it was called Butter Cookie, I think. And Jeanette, yours? Uh, silver. Are you a Raiders fan? No. What would be your number one then, Jeanette? I'm just curious. Oh, my favorite color is green. I thought she was going to say copper. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was I was actually going to say that as my second favorite. That's where I thought you were going with that. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Jeanette, what's your favorite? What's your second favorite color? My second favorite color is copper. Let's just close off this episode. Jeanette, where can you be found? Um, 
If people would like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at J J A Y H E R one seven. And John, if people want to follow you, nobody nobody's gonna to want to follow me. Number one, number two, it's my handle is probably gonna change come January twentieth. Since once we get that that um, shit stain out of out of office, um, but I would recommend you follow uh, my two co-hosts. So listen very carefully to their handle. Before we go on to giving mine, John Scoop Jose wants to know what's your new handle gonna be. Man, I I don't know. I I wish uh, I'm I don't know. I don't even have contenders yet. I think I may put it out to the chat and see and see what everybody what everybody has to say. Do do I get first dibs on finding out and exposing to the world what your new uh, handle is gonna be, or is this something you're holding for the Lauer After Hours uh, podcast? It's no secret. I just haven't given any thought to it, other than man, January twentieth is coming up. I wonder what it's gonna be. So, John, if we want to look for you, you're pretty much recommending you follow Jeanette or myself. I am at Free Arcadian Box. On the behalf of John, Jeanette, and Jose, thank you for listening to Talking Jays. King Jays is a Triple J production.